Hi there, Denise. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, David. How are you? Welcome today. Yes, it's, it's good. I'm a, I'm, I'm a white shirt and a white background, so I don't know how that's, how that's going to go down. My video people will be uh, disappointed with me, but, uh, but no, it's good to, it's good to, to have you here and uh, to, to, to get you kind of involved. Um, uh, for, for everyone listening, uh, we've got Denise McGrath here with us today. She's a, a very experienced um, program manager in the financial services and technologies industries. So we're going to talk about that a bit more uh, in the chat. Um, as you know, GCS is a technology staffer. Um, we've got offices across the UK and Europe uh, and the US. Uh, and um, GCS Connect is our opportunity to kind of build our community of innovative people, uh, expert talent working with the best kind of companies out there. And we do one of these ways we do it is the leader series. I think we're up to about kind of 15, 16 episodes now, um, which is where we speak to senior people within the network and really understand kind of where they're at within the business world, within the community, within technology. Um, and I'm really interested to get kind of Denise on board. Denise um, has told me she started in IT in the early 80s. Um, and uh, I'm really, really interested to find out. I'm working as kind of a team leader, web developer, program manager within the financial services and various different other industries. Um, she's worked as a contractor since 2014. Um, last contract was with Virgin Money. Um, and she's currently kind of uh, looking for, for work. So um, one of the things we're going to be talking about today is kind of job seeking and doing a job search during, during COVID um, and the, the pros and cons of that. Um, Denise, obviously I've introduced yourself, but do you just want to take us through a little bit about your background, kind of you know, what you've done, what you're kind of interested in and, um, and where you're up to at this moment in time? Yeah. Um, so I started off working for Honeywell, which you may have heard of to do with uh, heating controls. Lots of people have Honeywell heating controls, but they also used to have an information services division. And I joined as a, a trainer, believe it or not, <laughs> straight out of university. Um, I stayed there a couple of years and then I went into programming um, and I programmed in a large number of languages, starting off um, in the distant past in assembler i've been through fortran and cobol and wow. basic and c and c plus plus and c sharp and um, eventually um i became a team leader and then got much more interested in the delivery side rather than the programming side of project work so um, my first um, project management role was a long time ago at NatWest, okay. funnily enough, in Manchester, sure. uh, very near the hallowed um, Old Trafford ah. uh, football ground, <laughs> which is not my team. I'm oh. just saying. <laughs> team, Denise? Chelsea. Chelsea? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm a London girl. I've lived in Manchester longer than I lived down south. But um, I'm still a Chelsea girl. I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan. It's good to know. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. up now, but, uh, you know, yes. <laughs> well, apart from that, you seem a really nice person. Uh, yeah, that's right. I am quite, I'm quite a nice person, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> I think they call us a long, long-suffering Arsenal fan, so, yeah. Oh, bless. Yeah. <laughs> we win some stuff sometimes, so, yeah. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I got into uh, project management, first of all, at NatWest, and um, I, that was my first contract as well, I went contracting at NatWest. Uh, at the time, um, 
my uh, husband ran his own company so i had the opportunity to be in or out of work sure. and i went contracting um, at the point where he retired i then went back permanent yeah. um, and i did that at uh, jd williams uh, which is a uh, it's a retail company it used to be largely catalog now largely online okay yeah uh, they did tip, dip their toes into um bricks and mortar um about the time i left 2014 uh, but they've all closed now um it yeah. seems strange that bricks and mortar companies were all getting online and an already online company decided to try bricks and mortar but hey yeah. You've got to try these things to see whether they're, they're right for you. Yeah, that's right. And I think, um, yeah. you know, no one could have predicted what was going to kind of happen. So it probably seemed no. like having a few stores where it might be open um, could could work. But uh, I think that's all kind of gone out the window in the retail world. I was working, work, I, I live in Reading, so I was walking through Reading the other day thinking, oh, that's closed down, oh, that's closed down. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how it's all going to kind of turn out in the next kind of three, six months, but uh, I know the Debenhams isn't there in Reading anymore, and that was quite a big, quite a big shop. So, yeah. yeah, it's there in Bury, which is I, it's um, just outside of Manchester, which is where I live, uh, but they seem to be um, store, having less and less stock in store, so I don't know whether it will survive. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I don't think that we can go completely online. There are too many people who like to browse. It's my favourite hobby. Yeah, so. right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I think um, you know, ma matching that, ma matching up the two, the kind of the 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 kind of how to put it, the real physical world with the online world is, I think, one of the key things that we'll all have to do. I mean, banks have done it quite a lot, haven't they? And you've worked obviously. Indeed. Yeah. People don't go into their branches anymore but if you want to go into a branch you, the, the bank has to kind of provide it really you know particularly the, the old school banks you know maybe like Revolut or um, Monza or whatever don't need to do that at all but NatWest and those types of people have to don't they? So. Yeah I mean um, CYBG, uh, Virgin Money, um, so it's Clydesdale Yorkshire uh, yeah. Banking Group and, York, and uh, Virgin Money who um, completed their merger last year yeah. Um, yeah. they are rationalizing branches but they're not getting rid no. um, the, the personal touch I think uh, is important particularly in finance looking someone in the eye is a much easier way of knowing whether you trust them or not and that goes for the um, both the vendor and the customer yeah um, so I don't think it'll disappear it's the right balance isn't it because at the same it time, is there's so much stuff you can do now on your banking apps, travel apps, you know, even the NHS now is, is moved towards a, a kind of a hybrid version. Yeah. Those, those, it's important that people are able to do that because, like for instance, always think about the NHS. Why is it not possible to do a, a GP appointment on a video conference? You know, obviously there's a reason why you would might want to go into the GP, but there's also a, a number of reasons why, you don't need to wait three weeks for a, an appointment, right? So you need to Particularly have... in the mental health area where they don't need to take your temperature, they don't need to take your blood pressure. Yeah, they need to talk yeah. to you and see what's going on. So, you know, you've obviously had, you know, I, I won't say this too much, Denise, because I don't think I should, but, uh, but uh, you've obviously had to overcome a number of different kind of challenges as a leader within your businesses. Um, 
we're obviously hopefully coming out of a, a particularly challenging time, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be the same in the economy. What other, would you say, significant business challenges have you been through as a leader in, in your time within IT and as, as a manager? So um, they're mostly all um, have been around conflict. Okay. Uh, whether that be um, a, a hostile takeover, so you have people from two different companies um, who need to join into a single structure yeah. and you need to get the best person for each role, irrespective of whether they were in the takeover uh, company or the, the one being taken over. Um, overcoming prejudices uh, around this is the way we've always done it, therefore this is the way we should do it, when they're coming from two completely different cultures uh, is always interesting and um, and have watched some of your other um, podcasts mm. and one of them struck a chord with me where um, it was the chap from connects who yeah. was saying that it all comes down to communication and it really does mm. um, no matter what the conflict getting people to talk to each other understanding what it is they want and um, helping them along the path to achieving it is always going to resolve most conflicts. If there's a deep-seated um, prejudice there, then that's not something I'm qualified to deal with because I'm not a psychologist. Psych no, yeah. Psychologist. Um, but in the normal business world, where where you're talking uh, professional people who are all looking to do a good job, because obviously we don't come to work to do a bad job, we come to do a good job. Providing a safe space to have the right conversations. Um, is always the best way forward, in my uh, humble opinion. Yeah, um, and yeah. has always worked for me in the past. Yeah, and that isn't um, that isn't saying that there's a one size fits all, because um, everyone is different. Obviously, mm. uh, some people like the armor on the shoulder. Some people uh, respond better to a a, a challenge. And mm. um, what? Why aren't you able to do this? What? what would you do to resolve the situation? Um, and uh, some people, you need to talk to them and prep them before uh, a major meeting in order to make sure that everyone understands what the purpose of the meeting is and how we can reach a resolution. So, sorry, I've got a fly. <laughs> Um, communication is eh? always the key. <laughs> they always yeah. join you in the office, don't they? So. Don't they just? And I've got to say, there hasn't been one all morning that obviously wants to get on the telly. I've actually got my own fly. It doesn't seem to happen so much in the office, but I've got my own fly swatter at home. I've become pretty good at like, bang. <laughs> Although I saw, um, I know we get back to the thing, but I saw an article the other day in the paper where a guy swatted a fly and then his gas boiler was faulty. So he sorted the fly, upset the gas boiler, and his whole house blew up. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those comedy, like, well, he's fine. He just had a like, burn on his hands, but there you go. But, yeah, I think, I mean, to kind of go back to that, the, the kind of conflict element and, and prepping people up and, and making sure you know where people are, I guess, as well, is, is very important, you know, Someone else in one of the previous, I think it was David McGovern, talked about reading the room, you know, and knowing yeah. you know, who, 
who's on board, who's not on board, who's willing and open to change. You know, yeah. you're good at that as a manager, don't you? You do. And it's always good to not ask a question unless you know the answer. So research is always a very important part of any uh, meeting where you are hoping to achieve something within the meeting. Yeah. Um, and that could be as simple as um, a paper, mm. just writing a paper with the, the problem statement, um, the background and a number of potential solutions to the problem yeah. so that there, you don't start with a blank piece of paper. Uh, and it tends to get people's, juices intellectual juices running as well so yeah preparation reading the room um, controlling the meeting so it's all i think uh, the benefits of a, a good facilitator uh, are not always recognized having someone who will keep you on point who will ensure that everyone gets a, a fair crack of the whip in terms of being able to state their opinion and um keeping meetings on time i think that's a, a a skill not a lot of people have and it's much easier to have a separate facilitator um in the the meeting rather than for the the um chair to try and do both because then you don't do either way and as a manager as you've kind of looked over the kind of years obviously i know you've kind of worked more kind of agile projects and that sort of thing kind of recently and and different methodologies etc etc do you think that the IT has moved towards that more collaborative kind of way of working or successful successful IT um, departments and projects have yeah absolutely um, every the, the sum of the the parts is usually greater yeah. than, than the individuals mm. um, and it's a powerful thing to be able to bounce ideas off people. Um, and having a different mix of people in the room, people who are detail orientated um, can, if not controlled properly, slow a meeting down, but they also can spot the flaws and um, bring out the risks that need to be mitigated or at least uh, noted and monitored. Yeah. So having those, like all these four, core personalities aren't they and having all four of those personalities all together absolutely yeah and uh, yeah i know you're looking around for work at the moment obviously we will talk later but you've obviously got friends and colleagues and people that you kind of work with and that sort of thing and obviously you, you read about it how are you planning differently for the success of your career and the kind of transformation which is the kind of key area that you work in now that we're in this new new kind of uh, remote post-COVID world? Have you, have you thought about that? I mean, have you spoken about that in some of the interviews, that sort of thing? Indeed. So um, I'm very lucky. I've got a reasonably large house. Uh, my husband has an office. Uh, I've now co-opted um, what was one of my children's bedrooms. They've now got their own house. Yeah. That's now my office. So um, I've set up a space that is for work only. Yeah. I think that's really important. Uh, it's not my bedroom. It is a bedroom. It's not my bedroom. Um, it's somewhere that um, I will go to to yeah. work and I go to to set up interviews and uh, write applications and troll for work. Yeah. Um, and, but then can leave and close the door and have be somewhere else. So um, I, I also think 
particularly from a, a program senior project management point of view, in person is also important. Yeah. So I do believe that maybe half of the week could be, or two, th two, two days out of five could be um, in the office and three at home or the other way around, depending on how many people you're mentoring, the strength and depth of the team, the experience that you need to bring to help the program along. Um, so either two or three days in the office. But I do believe you, you, that the office is still an important place to do work. Particularly for the stuff that you talked about at the start of this conversation, you know, when yes. people's passions are high, when you're trying to drive change where people don't agree. Um, yeah when you're trying to drive transformation to something new, which people feel is forced upon them or they're not entirely happy with, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of what we've had the conversations are, is, is, is that possible to do in, in, in a, in a remote environment? Cause you don't quite know, do you? There's not, I mean, there's lots of pros that can reach out to anyone at any time. You don't have to be in the same place to see them and a video, a video call. Now we've all kind of accepted it is so much, more personal than a than a telephone call isn't it but it's never going to be oh, definitely around a room well i have seen something on teams recently where you can actually you you basically press a button and it basically makes everyone go into a room around a table so it looks like they're all in a room together with you so oh like, wow i've not seen that it's a bit of a gift make... i did it i was like wow we're all, we're all in rooms together with our faces and stuff so that was quite good so did that make it easier to um, follow uh, who was talking, um, going from one person to another? Because that's one of the things I find um, disconcerting when there's a multi-person Zoom or um, team meeting, whatever, is that it's, it's not as easy <coughs> to catch the reactions of the other people in the meeting no. when there's one person talking. Because yeah, you can do that in a room, can't you? Yeah, exactly. And you can see who's not talking. You can kind of... You can, who's disagreeing but not saying so. <laughs> you can direct your conversation towards someone or you can see Absolutely. a chats, that sort of thing. So I think, I think all of these, um, these video call manufacturers, developers are starting to add in, like Zoom's got breakout rooms now. So you can kind of break out, okay, we'll have a chat and then come back. It's quite good for training, that sort of thing. But I like you said, having that, 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 that kind of live contact, I think is really, really important. So, yeah. so kind of going into this new, this new world, obviously you think you finished your contract with Virgin Money in, in, in March. Um, I did. And, you know, we, we, we're speaking to you about a, a position at the moment, um, which is progressing quite nicely. Um, but how, how have you found it? I mean, you're the first person that I've spoken to so far who has been looking for work during lockdown, which I can only imagine is, is, is challenging, to say the least, um, for various reasons. So, so how, how have you actually kind of found it? What, what, what has been the experience for you and what, what advice can you give to other people who are doing it now? So uh, the first piece of advice is get yourself a top-notch CV. Yeah. So um, I have my CV professionally rewritten for me. Um, which it was, I'm thinking is £400, I think. Okay, well, yep. Um, which seems an awful lot of money. I've seen it, Denise. I've seen that series. It is a good one, so yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And they did my LinkedIn profile as well to match yeah. it. Mm. 
So it was a it was a, a, a chunk of money, but it was money very well spent. Yeah. Um, second thing is I have um, re- maintained a relationship with all the people who have got me jobs in the past. Yeah. Okay. And I've been working those relationships. Um, if I tell you that I, I interviewed for my first contract in 2014 and then I haven't needed to interview again until now. Moved around between... Because like, I've... Referral yeah. Mouth and that sort of thing, which is excellent. So project directors have um, come and got me again um, all the way through to now. But now they are also um, in a less stable position than they were. So I'm I'm on my own for the first time for six years. So I've um, I've restricted myself to three consultancies, three three recruitment consultancies, um, because I would hate for my CV to end up on the same desk from two different sources. Yeah, yeah. I'm because you've seen it from the other side. I have done the recruitment yourself and exactly so you know how it should come across exactly yeah um and uh, i'm being very careful about what i apply for as well because i know that there are an enormous number of people in my position and there was a um, a particular role that i applied for about six weeks ago Mm. and it was for two positions and there were um, seven and a half thousand applications. Wow. Yeah. Now that's that's just too difficult to work through uh, for the the hiring company. So I'm making sure that um, I don't irritate anyone by applying for a position that I'm not really. Um, it's not in my comfort zone. Yeah, I want to make sure yeah. that, you're that I. Yeah, a match. Yeah. At least a match. I don't think I'm talking out of turn in saying that we know with project managers, program managers, the kind of the more kind of leadership areas of, of, of a project, um, where you move away from hard technical skills towards more like not non-specific skills, then then it increases the range of applicants that you get, but you're still going to kind of filter down to the ones that really match. And I think it's definitely a very good, although it must be frustrating sometimes to, to, to say no to things that you probably could do, but try to focus in on the ones that you really, really match. Because like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition out there, isn't there? Even though there is very good competition as well with very specific. Excellent competition. Yeah. Um, and in in um, other so in previous um, job searches, I would not have been um, looking to match quite as closely as I am at the moment. But it's as, it's as it's as detailed as in the financial world in banking. Um, I know a lot about mortgages. Um, I've done some um, anti money laundering and fraud uh, stuff. But I wouldn't apply for an anti-money laundering or fraud position yeah. because there will be people who have as much experience in that area as I have in mortgages. Yeah. So it's just not worth my time and I don't want to waste the, uh, the recruiter's time either. Yeah. 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 But, but I guess what, from what you're saying is that you are seeing, you are seeing jobs and there are opportunities there. 
There are, and there, there, there are, there were more permanent than contract. There are now a lot more contract uh, opportunities uh, coming up, and I think that will continue. Um, however, from my own personal point of view, I'm not a fan of inside IR35 uh, because I think it's the worst of both worlds. Yeah. I have never been a fan of a fixed term contract because that's neither one thing nor the other. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So I'm restricting my search to outside IR35 contracts or permanent with my preference being permanent yeah. because I know that um, the government has spent an awful lot of money in supporting us all through COVID yeah. um, and they need to uh, get that money back and it's going to come in taxes. I know they're going to have a look at uh, increasing corporation tax. Mm. Um, they will get very strict with IR35. And I just feel that permanent is probably the better way to go now. Yeah. Um, as I have done a couple of times before, where contracting just got yeah, and I think, yeah, as we're kind of coming out of that, it's good to have that. That um, I think the important thing about permanent is that you're probably a more part of the business. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're at that leadership level, you're, you're linked into what the business strategy is as opposed to put, being brought into the, to, to complete one strand, deliver on one strand. So therefore, yeah. you know, I think that those are the types of people that will be kind of... Um, more secure but also maybe get more satisfaction in their job because they've helped to build yeah. the business back from x place and hopefully to even more successful certainly much more interesting roles yeah. because as you say when you're a contractor uh, a true contact contractor yeah. you're on a single program of work to deliver a, a, a set of um deliverables a statement statement of work type set of deliverables yeah. Um, yeah, so it's very focused, mm. whereas um, getting a transformation role mm. as a permanent employee, well, the world's your oyster. Yeah, that's it's, right. There's multiple transformations you can kind of keep moving through, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And transformation is 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 my baby. I that's what I love to do. Yeah. I used to love programming. I now love transformation programs. Yeah, there's a lot of transformation ongoing at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think COVID will um, encourage there to be more. A, a lot of companies are going to need to have that um, dual uh, location working, so from home and in office. Yeah. Um, and I think that they'll need to transform their um it infrastructure and their ways of working and their processes and procedures to match that there's going to be a lot of work coming up i, I have a lot of faith that i'm going to get something and i'm going to get it quite yeah. soon and that all those in my position who are good will also get something soon i'm sure they will i mean i've you know we've we've been in the industry many 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 years both of us and we yeah. know that you know, there's the ups and downs and it starts to kind of come back, doesn't it? But transformation drives business. Technology drives business now. And obviously yeah. in that area, then you've just got to kind of align yourself to the types of transformations happening. What do you see as the kind of the real kind of opportunities kind of going forward for the technology industry as we as we come out of this now? Where do you think the, the, the key areas are of growth? Everyone's going to need to be connected. So companies in the main are. People, not necessarily so. So I, I think, and 
I think it won't just be business either. Um, like you were saying earlier, I think it makes a huge amount of sense for the NHS to start using this technology to start doing um, video uh, calls with doctors and consultants and so on. And that gives you a much wider um, geography of people that you could consult with. If you don't need to be there, you don't need to get there in person, it doesn't matter where the doctor is, where the consultant is, where the nurse is. It could be anyone. So you could, um, you could perhaps even take it wider than the UK. Um, you have to follow the sun um, servicing and um, call centres for a lot of companies that are uh, worldwide and they have call centres in, in different time zones. Well, maybe there's even that that could be done. And I think that, that, that allows so much change and difference, but definitely I think yeah, that connectivity, making sure that people are connected, making sure that people understand that, I think it's been, a, it's like a watershed moment, isn't it? You know, whatever happens, there'll be economic fallout, there'll be you know, maybe political fallout, that sort of thing. But in the end, it's a watershed moment. If you think about it, how, how can you go back to how it was once you realise that most of your work or most of your life, you can pretty much do from home because, as you said, you're connected. Yeah. So because you're connected, <laughs> you know, nothing's ever going to be the same again. You realise, actually, I can do all of this, you know, without being in this place where I used to be getting connected. So, yeah. yeah I, think... I do think that the infrastructure needs to get better, though. So, um, Wi-Fi, um, mm. I'm actually in my daughter's house at the moment. Okay. rather than my own because I've um, just put my granddaughter down for a, a sleep. I've been looking after her today. Yeah. Fortunately, my husband's here to uh, pin her down if she wakes up too soon. <laughs> um, but the Wi-Fi here isn't as good as it is um, half a mile away in my house. Um, and if you go um, a little bit further out, um, it's much worse. I think if we want people to work remote, we need to give them the tools to do so. The other thing I'd say is technology companies need to get smarter about making their technology easier to install and use. If we want non-technical people to be using this technology, then we've got to make it easier for them. Yeah. Um, Windows, okay. Microsoft Windows did a plug and play thing um, years and years and years ago where a new piece of hardware, you plug it in and it would install it itself. Yeah. We need to get back to that. I think things have got so clever now that you've got to do a whole load of steps to get something to work. Yeah. Well, Here get get your clever people working out how to do that by just pressing a button and it's it's installed. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely think that um, you know that that would would help everything. It's a little bit like you know the, the easier you make things, going back to mortgages, you know. Yeah. Mortgages is a process. You can follow through that process we know there's legal elements to it, but you could make the online mortgage application process so much easier, like you said, for everyone, couldn't you? I, I would say, suggest that you have a look at Yorkshire Building Society's yeah. um, <laughs> implementation, which is the one I did before Virgin Money, yeah. Um, yeah. where you can get to offer in a day. Wow, yeah. And that's in a day. Once, isn't it? And that's what people expect in this day and age, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And you can have um, a, a virtual um, 
valuation, you can have online legals done. It's, it's beautiful. Fantastic. It's, it's, I'm not saying that the mortgage um, uh, rates are any good. I'm just saying that the process right, yeah, is smooth, very smooth. Um, and, you know, what, what advice, therefore, would you give to, to project program managers working within a kind of transformation project at the moment? From, from what you've seen, from what you've seen in, in the past and knowing what difficulties people are going through now, what do you think are the most important things for them to kind of concentrate and focus on? Flexibility and living with uncertainty. Yeah. Think if you get used to the fact that things not only can change, they will change yeah. mid, um, mid flight and yeah. get used to, uh, I don't like this word very much, but it, it explains what I mean. Brainstorming a solution with as many of your good people as as you can um then that will serve you well for being able to deliver what it is that you're trying to deliver the other thing that i've always said is that you have to have a good um business plan so you need to know what it is you're trying to achieve what it is you're trying to deliver what benefits you're expecting to get from that how much it's going to cost and whether the um, benefits are greater than the costs. Yeah, yeah. And that document needs to live. It isn't something you do at the start to go and get the funds to do your program. It's something you have to be checking all the way through. Yeah. Not in a Prince 2 way where there's gates and things, but just refer back to it. I, I tend to do it um two to four weekly depending on the size of the, the program just reminding yourself what you're trying to achieve reminding yourself what you're expecting to get out of it and what the the financial um costs are yeah. as you go along and you'll then know your story and if, when things change have a much better uh chance of put um picking out the areas where you can make the changes to accommodate the new world that you've just had land in your lap. And it's just very interesting. I think, you know, you, and I guess you need to make sure that you have real kind of at that level, real input and agreement from, you know, C-level, the C-suite, as it were, to make sure that you're not working. They so, don't, because otherwise you're going to deliver something and say, well, I didn't want that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it has to, it really should come from them in the first place, the, the, the vision. Mm. And then all you've got to do is to ensure that you um, have sold to your um, senior directors that how your solution is going to meet their vision. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you think about the whole pro project management and program management, because quite a lot of it is selling, isn't it? You know, this yes. is the best way to, to do it this is, yes. this is why I need this investment this is why i need these people and it's all going to be great but i need these things you need to, to buy yeah. people into your vision don't you really you do and it's not just the people on the project team you also need to get the buy-in from the people you're delivering to that i don't mean the directors who've come up with the vision i mean the the, the feet on the ground the people who are going to be using the the outputs from your program to do their everyday jobs you need to make sure that they understand how it's going to make their life better what why they should buy into it 
One last question I have for yourself, um, and this links into kind of the recruitment and staffing industry uh, and the technology industry, but I think society is a, a wider thing. Um, obviously, you've been working in IT as a woman um, since 1981, um, and I would probably suggest it's only really in the last four to five years that there's been a really big kind of push to change the, the dial, as it were, on, on the equality, you know, the, the kind of male-dominated industry. Um, it's quite kind of interested in everything you've said up to now um, and looking kind of going forward. How, first off, how, how do you view that? Do you think it has improved? Do you think there is more opportunities for women? Do you think it is less male dominated than it was maybe in the early 80s? It is 100% less dominated now by men than it was when I joined. Yeah. Uh, 40 years ago, oh my God. Is that, is that, is that, it'd be hard to change from that very, very low point, Denise, or? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't, I've, I have personally never found it an issue um, yeah. because I've never accepted that there's any difference between the abilities of men and women in the area that I work in. Mm. Um, but I have to say that I haven't had many female bosses. Um, I haven't had role models to look up to uh, that are female in, in the higher echelons. Um, and that is still mostly the case in um, the banking and finance world that I've been in. Yeah. Um, however, in retail, um, when I was at JD Williams, we had a female CEO, so. Excellent, yeah. Uh, towards the end, started off with a male one. Changing, slow change. Yeah. And yeah. You know, do you think that um, that coming out of this, that, that this will drive that change, that, that, that there will be more kind of opportunities and it will be more equal? I mean, I know it's a lot in the news and stuff at the moment, but um, do, you, do you feel this will help? I mean, you're a rock <laughs> now, Denise, so you're, you're one of those people. So, you know, what do you think? Well, funnily enough, my son followed me into project management. My daughter hasn't. She's a teacher. No. <laughs> but um, she's a maths teacher, so still, still science, science C. Yeah. Um, do I think this will help? I think, no, I don't. I, if I'm honest, I don't think this will make any difference to the gender uh, challenges that there are. Um, I think it might make a difference to things like um, ability challenges, because you can work from, if you can work from home, then it opens up an awful lot of work to a lot of people who found working in, in offices difficult for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I do believe that because um, we're going to be needing to use technology a great deal more, there'll be more work mm. eventually uh, once uh, the economy recovers. Yeah. Um, so I think it will help that um, there's more work to be done, therefore, um, most people who are good will, will get a job. But yeah, no, I don't think that COVID is going to make any difference to uh, no. the pay gap between men and women. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think, I think it would be wrong to kind of just assume that straight away, but I think it's definitely part of an ongoing conversation um, and an on, you know, outside COVID and outside lockdown, just in terms of people being a lot more aware of, all of these issues of diversity absolutely yeah and being able to discuss it a lot more you know and yeah 
kind of call it out a lot more, I think, than than potentially they would have been able to in the past. So, you know, hopefully yeah. that's that's moving in the right direction. I think from us, as, yeah, I agree. From us as recruiters, you know, we we get asked the question. I was asked by a client the other day, like diversity. How can you help this? And I always think it kind of goes back to like you were just saying their education. You know, we we can only unless we proactively go towards one side we can only deal with the with the candidates we get you know you you can't we can't invent candidates well, no. agencies do tend to sometimes but um the less is said the better but you can't invent them so we can only work with the candidates that we've got i think and i think it starts like you said it's a societal thing of of what what industries what areas for people to kind of go into and then like yeah. having role models, having people to kind of work from and, and changing the culture internally. So, Agreed. I mean, yeah, you know, I thought we're all, we're, everything's on the way up. Society, economy, technology, it's all going to be good to me. So. It is, eventually. Chelsea. eventually. <laughs> Chelsea's on the way down. We'll oh, no, no. Frank, <laughs> my boy Frank, he's going to save us. No, I think well, we've made some good signings uh, this, this summer, I think. Um, yes, he has. Yeah. He will. will. We'll both reach Arsenal and Chelsea. Will reach the promised land of the Champions League. Wouldn't that be lovely? I don't think winning the league would is any time soon for maybe for either of us. I think it probably slightly. Close. I agree. I agree. Liverpool and, Ma- and Manchester City have got it pretty much tied up. I think. That's right, yeah. But you know things change around. You know every every dog has his day, as it were. So they do. They uh, do. Well, Denise, it's been great to speak to you today. Um, really, really wish you luck. One with the, the stuff that we're working on for you, but with obviously your job search. Um, Thank you. And uh, yeah, if you're watching this and you think, wow, Denise could be good within my business, I'm sure that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll link her into the, to the, the chat and stuff so you can kind of reach out directly. But Denise, thanks very much and uh, have a great day. Have a great week. Good luck on the search. Thank you, David.